0: An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame, but then what? This blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made, from the glow ups to the online drama to all those viral content houses.
1: I'll show you how it
0: all adds up to a new kind of fame. From the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznek. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available, and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call one Gambler or visit rg-help.com.
1: Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches.
2: But there's only one Mc Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is... Hey, Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. J.J. I am flying high. I am rocking. I am rolling. I'm off to Boston in about 12 hours. And I'll tell you this. I am feeling a heck of a lot better going back to that city than the last time I deported that city back in October. Holy moly. What a difference a couple of months can make for the New York Yankees. I don't know if I saw this Today, I don't know if I saw this yesterday. I don't know if I saw it two days ago. I don't know when I saw it. But the Yankees, on like July 4th or July 6th, whatever the case may be, were a 500 team a year ago. You now look as we get ready for July the 8th, the weekend after the 4th of July, and the New York Yankees are 60-23. and getting ready for three more games against the Boston Red Sox. And look, with Judge getting scratched, with Rizzo being out the last two days, the last thing I wanted was to give the Red Sox any sort of momentum with the idea that, oh, we're in the Yankees' heads. We own the Yankees. We beat the Yankees when it matters. Blah, 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 blah. Great way to start this series. Setting the tone, scoring five runs right out of the gate. Donaldson, you've been waiting for him to come through. Carbiner fails to get the run in. Donaldson, pimps, center cut, grand salami, setting the tone for the offense. Good to see Aaron Hicks followed up with a home run of his own. But then Garrett Cole and the Yankees learned a valuable lesson for when they are playing the Boston Red Sox from here on out. Don't pitch to Rafael Bevers. I don't know how many times I have to say it. J.D. Martinez is in a funk. Bogarts doesn't scare me the way Dever scares me. I mean, if you're Cole, Cole's laughing after he gave up the second home run because he's like, hey, I threw a good pitch. What do you want me to do? Well, I got the answer for you, Garrett. Don't pitch to him. Don't pitch to him. I remember great pitchers dancing around Manny Ramirez for years. Some guys you just can't pitch to. Devers a freak. He is an outstanding hitter. He's one of the best hitters in all baseball. Don't pitch to him. That almost cost the Yankees this game. He gives up the two-run homer. He gives up the three-run homer. Six innings, five runs. Another start in which Garrett Cole pitches poorly at Fenway Park. But in reality, the reason he pitched poorly in this game is due to the fact that Devers just owns him and ate his lunch. But here is where you give the Yankees a ton of credit. And this is where the Brian Cashman hater has got to take a step back and has to tip cap and give credit where credit is due. The New York Yankees, absolutely fleeced. Police. police. The San Francisco Giants for Wandy Peralta and the Pittsburgh Pirates for Clay Holmes. They have been absolute saviors in the bullpen over the last two years. Saviors, going back to the second half of last year. And Holmes is automatic. You're not sweating at all. You're not sweating at all in the bottom half of the ninth inning, even when he's getting squeezed. And how many times... You have to watch Chapman literally pouring sweat, yucking it up, giving up big home runs to whoever in that Boston lineup. I got like a sense of ease when Clay Holmes is on the mound. They're relievers. They're very dime a dozen, sporadic, hot, cold. Yankees got themselves one of the best relievers in all baseball, and that's why those high leverage eighth or ninth inning situations There's nothing to discuss from a Yankee perspective. Clay Holmes is a guy. But great start to the series against the Red Sox. I'll be up there. We'll have a live tomorrow night after the game. Saturday, probably going to go zero dark 30 unless something crazy happens. And then we'll have some mixture going on Sunday. Try and maybe grab somebody while we're up there. We're going to have the director of the Jeter documentary, which I cannot wait to talk about. I've already watched the first two episodes of the Jeter documentary. And all I'm going to say is if you're a Yankee fan, you should be salivating. You're going to be drooling. You're going to be loving every minute of it. It was fabulous, fabulous stuff. And even with Aaron Judge getting a day or two off with some lower body discomfort and Anthony Rizzo dealing with some back stiffness, the Yankees continue to take names and kick ass. And life is good if you are a fan of the New York Yankees. If there's any cold water to splash on the Yankees, It's the comments from Hal Steinbrenner the other day. I mean, Hal is just an absolute bore. I wouldn't read anything into the judge comments. I wouldn't read anything into the trade deadline comments. Just goes to show you, Hal and the way he handles business is so drastically different from the way his dad handled business. And there are some elements of George. And for you young, young Yankee fans who maybe didn't know this, George was hated. Howie Spira, Dave Winfield, late 80s, early 90s. There were a lot of Yankee fans thrilled about the fact that Steinbrenner walked away for a couple years. But that passion and that will to win unmatched. And I think Hal wants to win, but as we know, Hal wants to win at a cost. But I can't even let that throw cold water on things. How can you? Too much going right in Yankee land. They're going to send a zillion guys to the All-Star game, as they should. And hopefully it's another banner weekend against the Boston Red Sox. Now, the Mets played a game yesterday. They couldn't lose. They're down a run in the ninth inning to the lowly Cincinnati Reds. This is after not scoring for Max Scherzer, wasting his gem off the IL. You're wondering, holy smokes, the Mets are going to go and lose two out of three to the Cincinnati Reds. The Atlanta Braves can't lose a game. The Atlanta Braves are getting ready for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday down in Atlanta as a team that maybe could be looking to overtake the Mets. Like the Mets needed to silence that momentum. And stalling Marte's hit, that double down the left field line was gigantic in the overall psyche and feel for the New York Mets. They scored a ton of runs in the extra innings. Credit Dominic Smith since coming back, getting back to his old school approach. He's had much better at-bats. And the Mets end up winning the game Wednesday. They take two or three from the Reds. And now you've got to pound the Marlins. Now you have Alcantara on Sunday, which scares you. I think it's going to be Alcantara and Scherzer. What a pitching matchup that is going to be. But my goodness, that is some juicy stuff right there. The idea of having those two guys going at it, the Braves coming Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with the way they've been playing, Mets, it's all about weather in the storm. Knowing the DeGrom at some point, hopefully is going to come back and make immediate impact. Knowing that your owner is going to be putting his chips into the middle of the table to go and make an aggressive move. You know the Mets are not going to, dare I say, sit idle when it comes to the trade deadline. This is going to be a very active team. And I know J.D. Davis had a big night tonight. I know Dominic Smith has swung the bat better as of late. The Mets still need themselves a power back. And I'm not saying it has to be a star. They need somebody who's going to lengthen out that lineup. Because at times, it feels like they are a power bat short. That Alonzo is the only guy you can count on with consistency to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And that scares me come October. You know, it's a fine line with an October lineup. You don't want to have an October lineup that is totally feast or famine, that is striking out way too much. I mean, we've gone through this with the Yankees where it can absolutely kill you. But at the same time, the pitching gets that much better. In those premier games where you can't expect to go and get three, four, five hits in an inning. Very rare in playoff games you're going to get that. So you need some guys to be able to go and wreck your game. I mean, we saw that last year with the Atlanta Braves, Solaire, Rosario, Peterson. Think about it. They picked up all three of those guys at the trade deadline, and Adam Duvall. They lose Acuna, they pick up Soler, they pick up Peterson, they pick up Rosario, and all of them help the Braves in some way to a World Series championship. Doesn't have to be the sexiest name. And I heard this earlier today, and I would not like this. I would love this from a Mets perspective. Nelson Cruz would be perfect. Now, I don't know if the Nationals and the Mets would be able to make a trade. I don't know the dynamics there, but if you're the Mets, Cruz would be perfect. You could put him in a five spot in the order. You hit him right behind Alonzo, and that guy rakes. That guy has raked his entire career with the Rangers, with the Minnesota Twins, with the Tampa Bay Rays. That is a hit machine. I love the idea of Nelson Cruz for the Mets. Love it, love it, love it. There's your DH. There's your difference-making, game-changing type of bat. Now that you know a guy like J.D. Martinez, is probably not going to be available from the Boston Red Sox. So, the Mets, go have a good weekend this week against the Marlins. Don't overlook the Marlins with the Atlanta Braves coming up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And we got something special planned for this Jeter doc. Now, I have it. I've already watched the first two episodes. I got the screener, the advanced copy. stefan has got to get on his game. I'm not going to give any spoilers out. I got too much to say. I can't wait to have the director on come Sunday. But Jacko and I, a great jackal or a good yankee compadre is going to do episode by episode breakdowns with me so basically as soon as the episode is done boom you're going to hear jackal and i for 20 to 30 minutes breaking it all down taking our trips down memory lane i can't wait like this is this is my like coming of age as a sports fan the mid 90s new york yankees like they're my favorite teams it's not even close like i love the 90s Knicks. The Yankees of the 90s and the 2000s just lasted longer. You know what I mean? It just, it went on. I mean, you could make the argument. You could make the argument. It went from 1995 until 2012. You, you, you could, you could make that argument if you want. And the different teams, clearly not a dynasty, changed the fabric, but you could make that point of conversation. So I can't wait for all of you to see the Gita documentary. We're going to have a ton of fun there. All right, we got a loaded show. Nikki Turturro is coming on, not only because the Yankees are taking on the Red Sox, but the passing of the great James Caan, who he loves, and he is, as you know, a movie Hollywood aficionado. So I thought it was the perfect night to have Nikki T on. Some voicemails will set the stage for what needs to happen this weekend for me. Not for the Yankees. The Yankees are now sitting pretty. What needs to happen for me this weekend to make Boston a success? Because I am having a little PTSD from that dopey wildcard game last year. There's a couple of things I need. Just a peel. I'll tell you what those are. But first, Nikki T coming up next. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So we're welcoming back our good pal, the great Nicky Totoro joins New York, New York, for a couple of different reasons. One, the Yankees are 60 and 23 on the air. I mean, pinch me, 60 and 23. And then we'll get to the legacy and honor the great James Con who passed earlier Thursday. And Nicky, being the Hollywood aficionado and historian that he is, I thought you were the perfect guy to have on the show. My brother, let's start on the good news. Let's start on a happy note, bro. 60 and 23 is pretty absurd, man. It is absurd. <laughs> It is absurd.
3: You know, here I am screaming tonight about Cole because he can't pitch in Fenway. He can't get out Devis. Yet yeah, we come away with the win, 6-5. The bullpen is stellar.
2: Wandy comes
3: in. I'll tell you, wandy has got balls.
2: He's got balls, and we saw that last year, Nick. Remember we the did. game in Atlanta? Atlanta? He came in for Chapman because Chapman stunk. He's facing Freeman. Freeman is fouling off like 10 zillion pitches. And he yeah. gets him out to end the game. That was the moment to me where I'm like, hey, big game, big situation. I can trust this guy.
3: I agree. I agree. He showed me that last year in Atlanta. That was a tough win. And he battled his ass up against Freeman. He took care of Devis tonight. He's not afraid. And that's what you love about a guy. And then this guy, Michael King, we got to see what he's like. He came in. He was filthy. And let's not, you know, forget
2: the closer. This guy is money. He's the best reliever in baseball. No no exaggeration, Nicky. It's crazy. He is the best reliever in baseball. And look, Brian Cashman takes a lot of shit. And I understand the critiques. And I understand the fact that the Yankees haven't won a championship in the last 12 or 13 years. But let's be honest, dude. He flat out stole Peralta from the Giants. And he flat out stole Clay Holmes from Pittsburgh. Stole these guys, dude. You're
3: right. You're right. I mean, this guy is. The feel of the century. I mean, I didn't know anything about this guy. I thought he was like a throw-in. Because last year, I I remember when they made a move, we said, who did we get? And every Yankee fan was like, Clay Holmes. Who heard of him?
2: You know what I mean? I I had no idea who he was, full disclosure. And I watch a lot of baseball. No idea.
3: So he's in Pittsburgh, you know, a team that's, you know, like a Triple A team or whatever. So we didn't know. I mean, who knew how good this guy could be? Apparently, he was struggling. This guy's got a ball that's almost like reminiscent of Mariano Rivera right now. I mean, do you see what his ball is doing?
2: Well, he's throwing 96, 97 miles an hour with insane movement movement and insane sink. So how you try and hit 97 as it's moving down in the zone like that, I don't have the slightest idea. Um, But the bullpen being what it has been, it's been a major strength to this team, Nikki. And look, Cole and get the job done. And here's where Cole scares you. He scares you in Fenway Park because he can't pitch there for whatever the reason. And can yeah. he stop, bro, pitching to Devers? I'm watching that game today. I know they're up four, and Devers is not the time to run. Put him on. B- like after the first home run, stop pitching to this damn guy.
3: Right, right. If the guy's got your number, you know, just concede. He's got my number. It's just like if you know a guy. Then I'm just not going to let him beat me. I'll let somebody else beat me. Because, you know, when he walked Plo- Ploiecki, I said, uh-oh, the other guy couldn't even foul a ball off, Duran. He could not foul a ball off. So it was like Ploeki's like pitching He's trying to, you know, like get cute with him. I'm like, why? And then, then they have a meeting of the minds. I love this. Matt Blake and all these guys, a meeting of the five families. They have a meeting of the minds. And then what does he do? He throws a bullshit changeup or whatever. Uh, basically a pitch where he's he's scared. You could see it in his face. If you're going to get beat, he had a good heater tonight. 99, 100. I can live with that. Fuck it. Go with the heater. Go with the heater. I don't care that he's hit the fastball. It's still, tonight he had a good fastball. So if you're going to lose, don't lose with your secondary pitch or your third pitch. And he did it twice. Not once, twice. So, you know, he does worry you in a big game, in a big moment. You know, we're rooting for the guy. We need the guy. But I don't know. There's something in his makeup that I don't know if he lacks the the killer instinct. I
2: don't know what it is. I can't put my hand on it. Do you see the comparison, Garrett Cole, Mike Messina? No, no, because Mike Messina was... Uh, a different
3: kind of pitcher. And Mike- was- Not
2: not style-wise, Nikki. Here's my my reason. It's the idea that these guys are very much creatures of habit. They're very routine-oriented. And the littlest thing could throw off Mike Messina. We've seen it now with Cole. It's Billy Crystal. It's spider Attack. It's Fenway Park. It's Raphael Devers. That, to me, is where both are outstanding pitchers. They're going to get their numbers. They're going to do what they need to do throughout the course of 162 games. But that creature, a habit element, it scares me in a big situation. scares me.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I see what you're saying. There's a lot of pitches that are weird. A lot of pitches have. But this guy, I think he's a little bit of a head case. I think he's a little bit in his head. And you know what? There's where Boone's got to go. You know what? Maybe I don't let him face Devis again. Maybe I don't. You know what I mean? Because I'm not sold on, he can't get this guy out. It was like Clemens years ago, couldn't get Piazza out. I mean, I, you know, you you might have been young, but he could not no, get- No, I
2: remember it well. And listen, do we know what out. ended that? When he drilled Mike in the head. That he was frustration him, hit, right there. That He was basically road. like, I got to do something. Yeah. The old school Roger Clemens and some road rage came out. Let's be honest. Road. Drilled Piazza yeah, in the road, head. Road and then of course, but let's it, be honest now. Yeah. Clemens, the minute he hit Piazza in the head, became a badass with the Yankees. And I'm not saying that was the right thing by any means, Nick. But remember, 99, he was along for the ride. He did nothing. He pitched a couple of meaningless games that are up 2-0 and 3-0 in a series, big deal. But in 2000, second half of the year, he was great. The Seattle game, he was great. Game two against the Mets, even though he threw the bat, he was great. And it was like Clemens was unleashed to me from that point in time.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, in a way, he gained he gained some respect and he had to be a bit of a, a, an assassin. He had to be like a bad guy because we weren't like a team like that. The the rest of the team was like, but Roger took on like this dark side because he couldn't get him out. He hit him in the fucking head. Then, you know, Roy Rage, he threw the bat at him. He was, he was a lunatic. But in a way, in a way, you kind of respect that more than, you know, like this guy Cole, it's like, you got to see where his balls are. You know, I mean, he, he has not showed it yet. I mean, he's a tremendous pitcher with tremendous talent, but he might be not as good as advertised. I I, I just don't I don't know. I, I don't know. He's got the goods, but he doesn't seem to have the balls when, you know, you're going against the guy that owns you. Then be smart about it. Don't let him hit you. Do something else. I mean, pitch because- around them.
2: Hey, I'm watching the Gita documentary, and they talked about this in the second one. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but now I'm catching up, Nikki, I got the screeners. I saw the first two. It's phenomenal. El Duque would not pitch to Manny Ramirez. He was like, hey, I'm putting him on. If it means I'm going after Jim Tomei, so be it. I can't get Ramirez out for whatever the reason. So, like, you got to know that as a pitcher. You got to have that within you. Okay, I'm going to ask you right now. What guy scares you the most out of these three coming up to the plate? I think that the three biggest Yankee killers who are active right now. Altuve, mm-hmm. Devers, Guerrero Jr. Out of those three, who is the guy that's scaring Nicky Totoro the most?
3: Um, that's pretty hard. I mean, you know, I'm probably going to say Devers.
2: I'm going but- Altuve. It's close. It's close, yeah. but I'm going Altuve.
3: Yeah, I mean, Altuve, you know, he hunts a lot of... Um, a lot of meatballs. He hunts a lot of first pitches. He scares me, but he doesn't scare me as much as this, this guy with his goofy trot. Have you seen the way he runs with that goofy trot? It's got a little that, waddle
2: to him. Yeah, he's got the tobacco to juice flowing. Yeah, he's blowing. so
3: fucking relaxed. He's like, you could wake him up out of bed and he could hit. And I mean, the other guy, Guerrero, is good, but he's young. He doesn't put the fright of, you know, the fright of the death into me. He's definitely scary. But uh, Altuve and the other guy are very, very scary. Yeah, I mean Altuve. I think you could get him out, but this guy is the number one. I think Yankee kid. He's like another
2: Poppy. Well, I was gonna say, is Poppy your number one Yankee killer of all time, or you put George Brett number one? I would say uh, if you went
3: in the seventies, you'd say Brett.
2: Because I was too young to see Brett. Obviously, for me, it's not even close. It's big, big Poppy number one. Hands down.
3: Big part because he had more games. More games and and they beat the Yankees. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he really was a difference maker. Well, you he know helped. who is an
2: underrated Yankee killer? Edgar Martinez. He destroyed the Yankees. Destroyed, destroyed the Yankees.
3: He destroyed them. But Brett was a Brett was a bonafide Yankee killer, but he was also a great hitter. And so is this guy Devis. This guy Devis is a good hitter. He's a terrific hitter. I mean, he can, he can just flat out hit this guy. You know, um, but, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, you know, you can compare it, but there's always guys like that. There's always guys that you go, man, they own the Yankees. They hit the Yankees. They're good hitters. Then it gets other teams you see them get them out. And you're like, why the fuck can't we get them out? Why can't we get them out? You know, it's frustrating. There was a guy who was on the Blue Jays last year. We couldn't get him out. Randall now,
2: Gritchick. Randall, Randall Gritchick. Yes.
3: We couldn't get him out. I mean, years ago, the Yankees used to trade for guys. If they were Yankee killers, one time they made a bad trade years ago. They got a guy named Ken Phelps.
2: For Jay Buhner. Don't tell uh, Costanza that. <laughs> yes.
3: yes. Yeah, because they, they, he hit the Yankees good. And they and they really had no business getting this guy, um, Ken Phelps. He was a bust. You know, and they gave up on Jay. And then, you know, it turned out to be a nice player.
2: That'll so, probably I mean, go down as one of the all-time worst yeah, Yankee I, trades ever. Oh,
3: that's up there. There's a few of them. There's, 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 there's a few, like, you know, if you want to go down like disastrous trades, there's a couple of bad ones. And then there's some great trades, you know? Well, Paul
2: O'Neill a- for Roberto Kelly. O'Neal. Hey, how about Roberto Bondi Peralta, 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 Peralta for Mike Tuchman? I, I mean, that's in all seriousness, that's a yeah. steal. Clay Holmes for Park is a freaking steal. This is a steal
3: of, uh, unbelievable, because Clay Holmes is like now, arguably maybe one of the best closers in the game. So we lucked out because now we don't have to worry about Chapman and his antics because we would not win a title with this guy. Mark my words, we would not win a title with Chapman.
2: And we talked about that the last time you were on. He does not need to be in those high-leverage situations until he earns those high-leverage situations. You have any concern about Judge with this lower body? I mean, listen, Nikki. when you got a 14-game lead, you could give him a couple of days off, not the end of the world.
3: No, you're you're absolutely right. You're the big picture. I'm not that concerned about it. Um, and with the lead they got, I would love him in there every day against the Red Sox, this, that. But you know what? The big picture, there's bigger things ahead. So I'm okay with them being careful with him. I have no problem with that. I mean, tonight I was a little disappointed, but I get it. You know, there's, there's a there's a lot more that we're worried about and that are much more important than Judge playing every game. You know, because it, keep that guy healthy. Only thing is, we need him back. He's a great center fielder. I think center field's too much work for him.
2: Can't be playing there every day. And I no. understand why they're doing it. No. Because the lineup now has more options, right? Like where you can get all the infielders in there. You could get Matt Carpenter some more burn and some more playing time. But yeah, Judge can play center field. He could do the job in center field. He's going to wear down if he's playing center field every single Yeah. Guy
3: centerfields a taxing. He's a big, big guy. He's, you know, he's a giant and centerfield, you know, he's not your prototypical centerfielder. He's such a good athlete that he plays a great center, but you don't want him working that hard. He's built for right field. So, you know, don't put him there. You know I mean? They got to figure that out, whether they trade or whether, you know, they're going to put Hicksy back in center a little bit. You know, I don't know if I completely trust him. He's getting a little better, a little better, but you know, I still would like to see if they can get another outfielder, maybe Benintendi. I know everybody's saying they're asking for the moon, but I would love another hitter like that. And and maybe one more starting pitcher. I'm not sold on everybody. I mean, the starting pitcher has been good, but I I tell you, I think we need another starter and a good one. Well,
2: you You can never have enough. And listen, guys, wear down. Tyone, a lot of innings. Severino's going to be on a little bit of an innings cap, so I get it. I'm not going to be opposed if the Yankees get another arm.
3: No, not at all. And I mean, if they're going to trade for a stud, I mean, you know, they have a couple of studs in that AAA or whatever, but um, I wouldn't give those guys up unless it's somebody like Alcantara or somebody like that guy. We're not getting
2: him. You're not not going to get him, right? You're not getting him. No way. There is no way the Marlins are moving him under any set of circumstances. What about Blake
3: Snell? You have any interest in Blake Snell?
2: Not really. No, really. he's pitched poorly. I mean, I isn't it crazy when the Rays trade you? That's like the telltale sign. Like, if the Rays call me, Nicky, and they want to make a trade, you <laughs> hang up the phone. I mean, I'm serious. They trade I him know. to the Padres, and the guy's phone off the face of the earth, for goodness sakes. But they, like,
3: they know something. Like, they had a guy that was another Yankee killer, oh, by the way, and they traded them to the Tigers, Austin Meadows, owned the Yankees. Remember, you know, Austin Meadows? Oh, yeah,
2: of course. The lefty bat, lefty outfielder, yeah.
3: He's done who got over there. Nothing. And he was,
2: like you say, I don't know, when
3: they trade guys, they know something. They are smart, boy.
2: Give those Rays credit. That's a team I'm not trading with. Isn't it amazing that a year ago at this time, Nikki, we were talking about a 500 baseball team? Like, I think a lot of people fail to realize that. Last year was so, uh it was such a gross season of Yankee baseball. Basically, the 13-game winning streak and the last weekend against the Red Sox. Got him yeah. into the postseason. That Aside from that, it was miserable. You yeah. compare last year to this year, dude. I mean, my goodness. It's like night and day, dude. Night and day. Yeah.
3: I mean, they had a good year in, what was it, 19? 19, 19 a was year. a good year. But 20 that was a good and 21 year. And they, were not. No. Yeah, and 17 was a great story. But all these other years, they haven't done nothing. You know what I mean? I mean, this has been a great year. And, you know, that that, that comes with a lot of you no know, expectations now and, and worries that, hey, they're not going to screw this up in October. Well, that's
2: There's the bottom somewhere. line. They have to get to the World Series and they have to win it. When you have yeah. this sort of year, when you have this you sort of get record, there. minimum they have to get there, bro. You
3: got to get minimum. there, minimum. And you got to win it. And you got to win it. You know what I'm saying? You can't get there and then do like, you know, against the Marlins or whatever, it'll be flat. It's been too long. It's been too long. And plus, with, you know, with Judge and all this other crap, he needs to get that done. You know what I mean? That's going to solidify everything.
2: My man, I hate bringing down the mood, but I had to have you on not only talk some Yankee baseball, James Kahn passes away on Thursday. I saw that on the golf course. We lose Ray Liotta and James Kahn in the span of a month or two months, for goodness sakes. Brutal, yeah. brutal news for all of us who are, you know, Hollywood aficionados, movie aficionados. And you know this better than anybody. When you think James Kahn, you think Sonny Corleone. Like, I, I know he had a lot of great roles. I know he had an outstanding career, but when I think James Caan, I think hothead Sonny Corleum. That's all there is to it.
3: Yeah, you know, he was actually in, to be a little film information, he was in a movie called Rain People that Coppola made. And if you read about The Godfather, I know they had the series about it, we talked about it. Have you watched it yet?
2: No, I have not seen it yet. I have well, not. Dude, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a busy man, bro. I got to get on it. Red, I am watching no. the Gita documentary, one thing at a time, oh, you know? I've only seen two out of context. That's me. You, I've seen the first two. We're not going to spoil it for anybody, but it's no, fantastic. No, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. I mean, for
3: Yankee fans, it's incredible. But for anybody, but it's great. But uh, going back to Khan, uh, yeah, Rain People was a movie that he did with Coppola. And when Coppola was like an up-and-coming filmmaker, and then you know that he wasn't even the first choice for Sonny Corleone. Actually, this guy, Carmine Caridi, Carmine Caridi was a good character actor. Big guy. He was actually in The Gambler, which I told you to see.
2: Which with. I watched. Yes, I did. I watched The Gambler. I took you, you up on I... that, which I liked, which I really liked. Yes, Very I did. Very good
3: movie. Very good. A lot of, lot of great uh, actors in that movie. Carmine Caridi is one of the guys collected. He comes there. When he comes to collect, he thought he won the bet when he came home from Vegas. He was winning halftime. Remember that big guy? That was Carmine Caritti. So Carmine Caritti was almost going to be Sonny Corleone. So, you know, it's weird. Like, James Conn almost didn't get the part. Um, And actually, Robert Modica, who was an acting teacher of mine, worked with with, um, Coppola. And Coppola liked him a lot. They were both from Long Island. And he was a very intense, good-looking guy. And he was considering him for Sonny, too. But I guess James Caan got in the mix. And then he wanted, you know, then I guess he went with Jimmy. You know, I mean, and there was that time where the studio wanted Jimmy to be Michael. But, you know, it, you know, uh, he's like, I'm not right for Michael. He knew it. But, yeah, we'll always think of him as... as uh, as Sonny Corleone. I mean, he had those shoulders. Remember the shoulders? <laughs> the shoulders The were shoulders,
2: great. the hair, the facial the mannerisms. It's perfect. When he's, like, oh. I, I know you're giving me other actors that were in play, and isn't it amazing you think no, about I mean, certain iconic roles and you think yeah. about the roles that could have gone somewhere else? James Caan was born to play Sonny Corleone.
3: Oh, born. absolutely. Born. Absolutely. I mean, you know, everybody in that movie was you talk about perfect casting. And I mean everybody from Duval was Tom Hagen, uh the guy who played Fredo, John Cazal, Pacino, nobody wanted him. But you know, he his casting was so on the money. It wasn't like a lot of times you see things like, well they miscast, they're hit or miss, but and he was you're right. He was like born for the guy. He had the right temperament, the right attitude. They had the girlfriend on the side. That was funny. He was very, you know, he was very, you know, he was so, it was a shame that he had to die in that movie because, you know, he only came back in the second one.
2: At the end of the movie, basically. And, uh, it was when a they had scene. that dinner scene, yes. The
3: flashback. Remember, he, he's telling Pacino, he's telling Mike, it's stupid. You're stupid. Once you go to college
2: it. to get stupid?
3: Hey, because once you go to college, you get stupid. Once you go to college, and, um, you know, I, there was something about J- Jimmy Khan, James Khan, uh, I just loved. I There was something that I, I got to meet him years ago. I was, was going
2: to ask to you to if you ever ran into him at any point. Yeah, okay. I got
3: to meet him, and then he, I was invited to his house when I was early, on NYPD Blue. I was trying to direct a movie and never got the movie made, but he was he was nice enough to let me come over the house. We didn't even talk about the movie, and it was just great. Now, here I was. I was with Sonny Corleone. I'm with Jimmy Kahn, one of my favorite actors, and he was... He loved boxing. He was a regular guy. You know what I mean? But I remember him as a kid. Brian's songs when he played Brian's song. I saw about-
2: that movie. I yeah. saw that and movie. That was, was one of the movies the parents made me watch when I was a kid. Oh. They're like, you're watching this bad boy. And everybody oh, and cries. I, Poor Brian Pickleball.
3: I, I would cry. Once the music came on, if you played that music now, I probably would break down. It was very, that music would get you. And it was really good. Him and Billy D. Williams. But I'll tell you my favorite, one of my favorite James Caan movies, and it's probably one of the most underrated mob movies. It's my favorite Michael Mann movie, Thief.
2: I have I've not never seen it. There we go. Oh my god! So let's it, see. Let's see the IMDb on Thief right now. I'm curious. You don't, I'm you're gonna you, know. You're gonna know. I'm telling you.
3: When I tell you something, you know I'm telling you.
2: Yeah, you don't not give a, me bad movie recommendations. I'm not
3: giving you a bad movie. I'm not. I'm not giving you an opinion. I'm giving you a fact. This is a this is a great movie. Terrific movie. Well,
2: I'm looking at the cast right now. I see Willie Nelson in there. I see Jim Belushi in there. How about that? Jim Belushi is like the best thing he's ever done.
3: <laughs> the best thing he's ever done. This guy, Robert Prosky, as the Chicago mob guy. It's a Chicago story, but it's very authentic to like, you know, he steals like diamonds. That's all he steals. And he, he's kind of a free agent. Then the mob takes him in and he has to go to work for them. And um, a lot of shit goes down but it's a great movie, man. I'm telling you, it's a, the music in it, the, the car, the Eldorado he's driving. I mean, the whole, the whole, the whole shebang, Tuesday Weld, the chick he falls in love with. It, it's a really, it's one of my favorite con movies. I mean, he's done a lot of great stuff. Misery, he's great at Misery. I mean, he was great even in Elf. I mean, he's,
2: he is he's, great now. He is he's great
3: now. He's yeah. great. I mean, He's like, you know, he's the kind of guy, he's got a presence about him. He's got a charisma about him. I actually worked with um the woman, what's her name? She directed an episode of of um Ben YPD Blue, and what's her name? You know, she's the she's the crazy one in misery. But anyway, she she directed Kathy Bates, I'm sorry. Hey, oh, Kathy
2: Bates, my, it's one of the greats, Bates. Bates. yeah.
3: Great. So I was working with her and I said, How was Jimmy Kahn? How was Jimmy? You know, and she said, she goes, you know, you remind me of him a little bit. I said, Oh What a nice, I said, what a nice thing to say. She goes, no, you got his, there's something about you that, and I said, no, I love him. I love him because he was, he was an actor, but he was like, I think, you know, he just was like a real guy. You don't always, I think Duval, I think, adored him too. And I think a lot of people, I mean, you know, his his son has done very well. I knew his, I know his son, Scott. uh, Nice. From Entourage,
2: of course, in Ocean's Eleven.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I met him before he had, he was successful. He came to my house with work. He was a young kid. He was kind of shy. And then he took off. And um I, I like him. I like Scott Kahn. But you know, James Kahn, not what are you gonna say? There'll never be another one. But definitely watch Thief, man. That's watch next.
4: Thief. It's
2: cheetah documentary and thief. I, I always know when I, that I, I can count a- on a good <laughs> Nikki Tutora movie reference, it's gonna deliver. Oh, like Gambler. Gambler delivered. Did you watch Fingers? No, I'm, like I said, it's on a list. I have it. Um, I'll show you the Google Doc. I'm not going to. There's no lie in here, Tutorial. There's a Google Doc of things I need to watch. And my future wife has given me a lot of shit for this exactly. because we are very behind.
3: You should watch Thief tonight or tomorrow night. Put it on by yourself and watch it. You're going you're gonna to love it. You're going to be like, how how, how did I miss this movie? You how know what I the n-
2: move is? When I'm on the plane going to Boston tomorrow, download the movie, watch it on the plane. All right, we you got to do it on the computer? Yeah, put it on the computer, put the headphones in, and away you go, bro. All right. Not the best place to watch a movie, but okay, it's all yeah, right. but it, listen, we, we got a limited amount of time. Nikki. nobody better than you. Thank um, you. I, I don't know what my deal is for California yet, but we need to know, when is the big guy coming into Big Apple? That's what I got to know. It, it's, it's happening. I just don't know if it's July or August, but it's definitely happening. But so when I'm, it happens, Delta Suite, Couple of beers, away yes. we go. Dump the sweet, away we go. Have a cigar, whatever. You I like what the mean? sound of that. This sounds like yeah. a winning proposition right there. <laughs> Hope one up. Hopefully, a victory cigar. Hope They're not yeah, as good when get, they lose.
3: I got to see you out here. Either way, whatever happens, happens.
2: Well, thank but, um, you all the best, bro. Thank you for a couple of minutes. Appreciate the tribute on uh, Mr. Khan, and we'll talk soon. The great James Khan. I love him. Thank you, buddy. Take care. That's a great Nikki tutorial. We'll get some voicemails. They're coming up next.
5: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for
3: what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos,
5: Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at
3: bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and
4: is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: Nobody better than Nikki Totoro. I mean, Yankees, Red Sox, you got to have him on. And then when you're talking about Hollywood greatness, that's a guy who knows Hollywood greatness because of what he has been around and what his brother has been around. So I remember him recommending great James Caan movies to me. Years ago. I mean, he did it two years ago. He did it a year ago on a podcast, for goodness sakes. So, love chatting with my guy, Nikki T. He's always fired up. All right, voicemail time. And very interesting to see the tone of these. Yankees right now, life is good. I think the Mets fan is a little uneasy about the Atlanta Braves. Braves are a really good team. These games next week are going to be a ton of fun. You know, you're looking for games throughout July and August that are going to have a whole lot of sizzle. I don't know if you're going to have them from a Yankee perspective because of just how far back Boston, Toronto, and Tampa are in the American League East. And there's not much left with the East and Astros. I think they have one right out of the All-Star break, or it might even be a doubleheader, and then they got the Astros at the end of the year. So the Yankees basically going to have it in cruise control, which is weird to say. The Mets, on the other hand, they want to win this division. And the Braves, I think, are going to be on their heels throughout July and August. The games that'll have sizzle. Now that I'm thinking about it, off the top of my head, of course, them nuts, Subway Series. Yankees-Mets for two at City Field in July. Yankees-Mets for two in August at Yankee Stadium. 917-382-1151 is where we make some magic. Let's make some magic with some voicemail, shall we? Let's hear them, Stefan.
4: What's up, JJ? James and Charlotte, long time, no chat. You got to eat a little bit of humble pie. This team is doing much better than I thought they would prior to the season. So I'll give Cash credit for that. I still think Boone is a schmuck and not the man to lead this team to a the World Series. But let's put that aside for a moment. I'm concerned. Um, regular season's great. We all know that's not what the Yankees are made for. That's not what the Yankees are built for. Uh, it's all about the playoffs. And number 45 is not an ace. I'm sorry. He might be on a random Tuesday in Detroit. He is not in Boston and I can't depend on this guy in October. He wasn't the same guy in Pittsburgh. Whatever he found in Houston's great. Someone maybe describe that and figure it out. I don't know. Um, Houston's got a lot of questions, but he is not a reliable ace for the Yankees. He is not so far what we paid nine years, $324 million for. And I don't have confidence that this guy can take out Boston if we need to. Boston is in his head. There's no doubt about it. Happy with the win tonight. Always beat the losers from Boston. I'm not going to complain about the win, but I'm complaining about Garrett Cole, and I'm concerned, and I think we overpaid for a guy whose best years are behind
5: him. There's a lot to get to with your point on Cole. Do you have a reason
2: to be down on his start Thursday night, yes. I don't think it's the Red Sox. I think it's Fenway Park. For whatever the reason, he doesn't like pitching there. And the other issue is Devers. He's got to stop pitching at Devers. I mean, he basically said after the game, hey, I'm open to suggestions for trying to figure out a way to figure out Rafael Devers, who is flat out on them. It feels like anytime the Yankees play the Red Sox and Garrett Cole's on the mound, Rafael Devers, give him the hit, a home run. I don't know why I didn't bet it today, quite frankly. You know who I see Cole's career mirroring in some way? And you're calling him a boss. You're telling me he's not worth the money. That's not fair. I mean, Cole has been one of the better starters in the American League since the Yankees brought him in. Now, you want to tell me he did not deliver in the wildcard game last year? Yeah, he stunk. But in 2020, he pitched a brilliant game against Cleveland and pitched two very good games against Tampa in the division series, including one on three days rest. Beat him in game one, and then he came back in game five and left the game tied. Can't kill him for that start. But his career is really starting to resemble Messina's. And the reason I see the comparison is because Messina was such a creature of habit and would let the little things bother him. We've seen that with Cole, whether it's Billy Crystal, Spider Tack, Fenway Park, whatever the case may be. That stuff can get to Garrett Cole. I think Cole wants the ball. I think Cole wants to compete. I think he wants to be out there every fifth day. And I admire a guy who's happy about his team winning, as opposed to the guy who goes seven innings, two runs, and loses two to nothing. Like I I do think there's something to be said for like the team game element, and the idea of embracing the fact that your team went on and won a game. Cole's got to be better in this ballpark, because if the Yankees are going to play there in October, he's got to pitch better in Fenway Park. That is a concern. And newsflash, stop pitching to Rafael Devers. Please, whatever you do, stop pitching to Rafael Devers. This goes for the whole Yankee pitching staff, quite frankly. Unless you're a left-hander. Let anybody else beat you. I'll take my chances. Martinez, Story, uh, Verdugo, even Bogarts. who's a damn good player. So be it. Anybody but Devers. Anybody.
0: Anybody. Who's next? JJ, what up, man? Chris and Larchmont. Very fucking fired up over this Yankee win that just happened. I mean, for it being a regular season game, you know, not, not even halfway through the month of July and being 15 games up on these, on these guys, I, I'm, I, I was pumping my fist at the end with, with, uh, Michael King and Clay Holmes in the eighth and ninth inning. And, um, you know, what a nice way to start the series. And, you know, really obviously I think that, that game in Pittsburgh last night, that barrage of 16 runs, uh set the tone, grease the wheels a little bit, gave some guys like Josh Donaldson some confidence, Aaron Hicks some confidence, and those guys have been struggling and I I've been as critical of those guys as anybody. You know, I'm wondering though, know, you know, the elephant in the room, maybe you know, something that we have to talk about and and I'm I'm sure you know you're you're gonna cover this, but this whole Garrett Cole and Raphael Devers thing is, is troublesome. You know, it's it's like it's like it was a paternity test and Raphael Devers is in fact the father to Gary Cole. It's just I mean, the numbers that he he's that he's put up against him are just absurd. And you know, I I gotta wonder, like, if he comes up to the plate against Cole and, and you know, Cole's gonna face the Red Sox a few more times this year, uh, considering how many more games we have left against them. And I think Cole's scheduled to start against them next weekend when we play them at the stadium on Sunday. But if you're Cole, I mean I just think you have to almost like four pitch walk the guy, intentionally walk him because it's embarrassing, and yeah, it's embarrassing to, to walk a guy like that. I guess intentionally, but it's not more embarrassing than giving up another bomb. And and just this is gonna just it's gonna have a little bit of an effect on his confidence. And and I know, Houston is a team to beat for us in all likelihood. That's who we're going to be facing in the ALCS. And, and Boston, you know, might not even might not even be making noise enough to, to face us in the playoffs if if this holds up. But man, I mean, this this is like I, I can't even remember as a Yankee fan. I'm I'm 41 years old. I've been a Yankee fan my whole life. I can't even remember a situation where there's been a matchup that's been, uh, that's less, that's less favorable than this. But, uh, we just love your take on, you know, what's the approach for Cole going forward? And, uh, do you think that he has to just, just kind of literally just walk the guy intentionally going forward? Love the show, JJ. Really appreciate you. Um, literally every single, every single morning I go to the gym. Um, show. Really appreciate you. Love love the work. Keep up the good work and uh, talk soon.
2: Well, I appreciate those kind of words. And I'm going to do this on Sunday so you can get the voicemails in now. Sometimes I'm inspired by a call. I'm inspired by this call. Top five Yankee killers. 917-382-1151. And I have a feeling after the Mets play the Braves, We'll do the top five Met Killers sometime next week. Sometimes I'm inspired. What can I say? That's what happens when you're in the lab with the mad scientists. And Rafael Devers, I don't know if he's going to be on that list. At some point in his career, he's going to be on that damn list. He absolutely smokes the Yankees. And the first home run he hit, right, didn't bother me. Five nothing. Go and get him. Don't pitch scared. 6-2, base open, nah, don't pitch to him. I didn't even care that you were going to put J.D. Martinez up as the tying run. I really didn't care. Cannot let that guy beat you. And yes, the Yankees are going to run in hide in the American League East. However, there is a pretty decent chance they could match up with the Boston Red Sox in the first round of the playoffs. Way too early. Trying to figure out seating is impossible. But you figure Yankees Astros 1 2, Minnesota 3, or whoever wins the Central. And then it looks like all the wild cards, and this could change, but the wild cards would all be coming out of the American League East. It'd be Toronto, Tampa, and Boston. So there's no receding. So like 3 6, 4 5, there's no receding. Yankees are the one, they're playing a the 4 5. And if you play in Boston, you, you got to figure out that riddle. The two Yankee, there are three Yankee killers active. You don't want to see anyone near the plate. Altuve, Devers, Guerrero Jr. In that order. Altuve, Devers, Vlad Jr. But I'm doing Sunday five all-time Yankee killers. So start brainstorming. Start brainstorming. 917-382-1151. Thought of that. I like that.
0: Who's next? JJ. Love you, buddy. This is Fred from Neptune City. I know we can't really get on Joey Gallo any more than we've already got on him, but tonight's game, man, we need to get on him again. The guy has an entire left side of the infield open all year long to lay down. And all he does is say over and over again, I am who I am, and
5: I can't change that. Yet tonight, he decides to drop down a drag bunt for the first baseman who's playing in his position.
0: Can we please, please DFA this guy? That's all, buddy. Thank you, JJ. I'm
2: begging for a DFA. Uh, the home run against the Pirates actually scared me because my fear is the Yankees are going to just hang on way too long with Joey Gallo. Get another outfielder in here. And for the time being, Miguel Andujar or Estevan Florio is a better option. I actually admire the idea of Joey Gallo trying to bump. I mean, You got to do anything to try to get on base at this point. You just got to drop it to the other side. You know, I did my top five most hated Yankee list. I don't know if you guys saw that on Twitter. And again, you never know where the brain is working. The two names that people were upset that didn't find their way onto the list, one was Javi Vasquez, the other was Kevin Brown. Because I think for a whole lot of you, there's just way too much PTSD from that entire 2004 American League Championship Series. I get it. I totally get it. All right, who's next?
1: JJ. Hey, Mike in Westport. Uh, You know, with this Durant thing, which is probably going to go on for a while, you know what my take on it is? See if you agree. I think the Nets front office knew they weren't going to go anywhere at this point anymore with Durant and Kyrie anyway. We saw what happened in the playoffs. You know what? Durant was 100% healthy. He was 100% healthy. Kyrie, 100% healthy. Both of them able to play 40-plus minutes. They got swept by a team that was much, much better. Is it possible that, that, that's, that they're on their way downhill? Is it possible? Durant, 16 years in the league. Kyrie looked small. You know what? Maybe, he's, maybe he starts to, to, to show his age as well. And, I mean, it's like, is Ben Simmons, is, is he gonna? would he have made a difference added to this team, the head case that he is? I mean, you know, they might have thought to themselves, you know what, let's let's, let's just cut our losses now. You know, we're not going to play Kyrie for five years, which would have been insane, because maybe he's got a couple of decent years left, and then that contract's going to be an albatross. Who knows if Durant's going to stay healthy. He's 16 years in the league. He's, like what, what, 34 years old by now, something like that. So you know, what? it's not such a bad idea to like say, you know what, we gave it three years, and let's 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 get some great haul for Durant. Let's see if we can get something for Kyrie, and you know Simmons. Who knows? Maybe he'll without any pressure on trying to win games, he'll so he'll he'll be a halfway decent player, and maybe he can turn into an asset they can trade. That's kind of how I look at it. You know, I'm a Nets fan, and I thought, you know what, after what Boston did to them last year, you think you think you think even with Kyrie and Durant back on the team this year. They're going to beat Boston suddenly. I, I don't see it. I, I mean, maybe if they get like Harris suddenly becomes like a, comes back and played great, maybe as possible. I suppose losing Bruce Brown hurts. I mean, even something like losing Bruce Brown to me is just like it's showing that they're, not, they're 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 looking for the future now. They're not expecting to win anymore. So we'll see what they get for Durant. But it's just like you know what they they took their shots with these two guys, and I, I have a feeling in a year or so they'll be very happy that Durant and Kyrie are not on the team. I wonder what you think about that. Thanks. Love the show.
2: Bye. I appreciate that, but you can't make that argument and you can't make that point with the way the Nets have handled their business over the last three years. Maybe we are talking about the decline at some point for Kevin Durant, and maybe it wasn't going to be happily ever after in Brooklyn, but Brooklyn was already Tupac committed. Did you see, by the way, what they asked the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for KD? I mean... The moon starts like Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, bunch of picks. I am fascinated to see how this is going to play out because Kevin Durant's under contract for four more years. There, there is no reason the Brooklyn Nets should be like rushing to meet his immediate demand. Tough shit. You're under contract. Unless I get the offer I'm looking for, you're not going anywhere. You don't like it? Deal with it. You're gonna be miserable four years. I know it's the player empowerment era within the NBA, but tough demand to in the trade when you got four years left on a contract. Number one, number two. I mean, Kevin Durant has basically gone zero dark thirty since this report came out last week. I mean, have we heard from the guy? Aside from one cryptic tweet, I mean, you can't find a guy. And that's basically what the insiders are telling you. That he's not talking to anybody right about now. Interesting. No party in the Hamptons for KD. How about Drake, by the way, with the Backstreet Boys? I mean, you want to talk about a collaboration. That is, that is a badass collaboration, Drake and the Backstreet Boys. I was into that. I saw that the other day. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right, last one.
5: Hey, JJ. Charlie from Elmhurst calling. Big win by the Yankees in first to four at Fenway Park against the Boston Red Sox. Bullpen came and picked up Cole, who, I mean, what the hell is he doing? Giving up hits to not a major league ball player like with a Ploiecki, a base hit, and a walk. That led the two Devers home run. But anyway, they, the bullpen picked them up. Peralta, Michael King, and Clay Holmes getting the job done. Nice to see Josh Donaldson finally start to, like, you know, pick up some, like, you know, RBI situation with the Grand Slam. That's Long Z from Donaldson. And, yeah, let's hope we can, like, you know, bury their freaking red socks down and hope Bill from LA can come on the show and come on to New York Neuropod and explain yourself, Bill from and Bill from LA, the pod father, the boss man. Uh, stop hiding. So but what I wanna call in is like Aaron Judge with the lower back or excuse me lower like a leg issue, something like that, end up missing a game. And I think a couple of weeks ago when the Astros was in time. And Dusty Baker said, like, well, I mean, this might be a and 10 in his body. And so far, I mean, playing, Judge playing center field, open up the spot for, uh, for, you know, for the roster, the whole entire roster to play, you know, standing, playing right field, you know, the Mayhew, Torres playing second base, third base, on and on and on. But in the long term, like, I don't want to see Judge, you know, burn to the ground. With this, like playing center field, that's a tall task and a lot of workload for that kind of size, with six seven six seven, seven six seven six foot seven inch guy playing center field like that. Like I think twice, maybe three weeks is fine. But the true ultimate value for a Yankees for Judge is in right field. Aaron Judge should be in right field. His death is true value. And yeah, and let's all became like you know get some outfield house. Because I don't give a damn. Gall hits a homer against freaking Pittsburgh Pirates. Yet again, another like couple of walks and like you know, like O for whatever. He's still hitting one sixty seven. Get rid of his ass, please. All right, man.
2: Good call as always, Charlie. I don't love the idea Aaron Judge playing center field every single day, but for this team, the way they are set up, it gives the lineup so much more flexibility. And versatility by having Judge in center because you find a way to get all five of the infielders in a lineup. You can play Donaldson, IKF, Labour, DJ, and Rizzo. All of them can play. And you don't have to play both Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks when you have Giancarlo standing in the outfield. Thus, the reason the Yankees need themselves another outfielder, then all of a sudden Aaron Hicks can maybe fall into being that fourth guy, and it's far more ideal far more ideal. Judges definitely putting wear and tear on the body playing center field every day. And the Yankees, as much as you want to bury the Red Sox this weekend, and there are a couple of things I need this weekend. Number one, good clam chat. Number two, more Red Sox tears, which means go get two more games. I'll sign for one. I really want two. The other thing I need, I need a good golf runner because I'm playing with a couple of guys the last time I played with them, I stunk up the joint. I had a great round today with Heifetz. Good to see Heifetz, by the way. He's in good spirits, ready for the Giants season. I think he predicted 5-12, uh, and 12, I think it was the official prediction. We'll have to get that on record on the New York, New York pod. Heifetz and the great Ammon Uh We had a great time up in Van Cortland Park. We were killing it. We had a wonderful, wonderful day. Um but these guys told me the last time I was terrible. So I, I need a little redemption on the golf course. Redemption on the golf course, a couple of Sam Summers, Red Sox tears, clam chatter, and at least one Yankee win, preferably. Though. That's on the agenda. And listen, Bill from LA going silent. I mean, Bill's breaking down the, uh, the eighth man on the Celtics, you know, the, uh, uh, breaking down the Duncan Robinson contract.
1: Two guys drove to work. <laughs>
2: Not a lot of Red Sox talks on, on the BS report these days, you know. That'll change. That'll change. I'm poking a barrel a little bit. You know, you got, you got it. You got it. You got to enjoy it while you can. He's got all these championships. He's got all this network. We love Bill from Los Angeles. But when we can kind of one-up him, Charlie, good for you. We appreciate it. He is our father. We love him. He is our great supporter. But it doesn't work where we just kiss the ring the entire time. We got to, you know, got to throw a couple of jabs over time. That's what we do around here. All right. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money has basically one thing to bet, unless he's bet NBA Summer League. And if he is, God bless him. But uh, we'll close with our main men coming up next. So before we hit Jeff Money, remember, we are going to have an SGP for the Yankees Red Sox game Friday night. Check that out on FanDuel Sportsbook. I got to hit one of these. I'm beyond overdue. You know, I'm going to have the Yankees involved, Nasty Nestor on the mound, and hopefully another Yankee win. We will go live probably tomorrow. Saturday, if the game is nuts, I'll hop on, but probably not. And then Sunday, we'll be rocking. Remember, Sunday, all the Yankee Red Sox reaction. Alcantara a reaction. All-star game. The snubs, all that good stuff will be out. And five all-time Yankee killers. And then next week, we'll do the Met killers. Every now and again, we're... uh, Trying to find some inspiration. What can I say? All right, Jeff Money. Let's hear it.
1: What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This will be for tomorrow, Friday the 8th. I got three games in the Major League action for Friday. Here's the early card from the Lions that I came up with. Okay, my money play, I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals, minus the 125 over the Philadelphia Phillies. Game two, I like the Baltimore Orioles, minus the 105 over the LA Angels. And finally, I like the Tampa Bay Rays, minus the 130. Oh, with the Cincinnati Reds. Again, three games. Money play, I'm going to go with the Cardinals minus the 125. I'm going to go with the Orioles minus the 105. And finally, the Tampa Bay Rays minus the 130. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go.
2: Let's go, Jeff Money. How about the fact that the Baltimore Orioles are minus 120 against the Angels and the Baltimore Orioles are only five games under 500? Brandon Hyde has done a wonderful, wonderful job with that team. And we saw it when they played the Yankees. They were very, very competitive. They were spunky and they were in a lot of games. Now, I need one more win by the Philadelphia Phillies. Significant to some. I'm in my three-strike pool. I'm going heads up with you on that play. I'll take the Phillies, but I'll ride with you with the Orioles. And remember, we'll have an SGP for Yankees, Red Sox, Friday night, Fenway Park. Fun show. I get on a plane in about nine hours. Hopefully, I'll have my checklist of all the things I want to accomplish while I'm up in Boston. I got more Gita documentary to watch. I got some chatter to consume, I got some beers to drink, and hopefully I got some Yankee baseball winning vibes and winning ways coming north, up by 95. Although for me, I'll be on Belt Airlines. we can. No car. Price of gas these days, 87, 95. Uh, that's a no for me, dog. To quote the great Randy Jackson, that's a no for me, dog. And then Uber. And my buddy has a car, so you can't go wrong. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you're up at Fenway Park, give us a holler. Join the live Friday night, Sunday. We'll see you with New York, New York. Great work by Stefan, as always. JJ, signing off. Enjoy your weekend. Be good, everybody.